0: Are you a character? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Characters Here podcast. I'm your host, author and artist, Sharday. To get all this personality and entertainment, you can follow me on social media at Characters Here. And for more information, visit CharactersHere.com. From Jackson, Mississippi, relocated to McKinney, Texas, she attended the University of Mississippi Medical Center and received a bachelor's in nursing. And she attended the University of Texas at Arlington and received two masters, one in psychiatric nurse practitioner and the other in family medicine nurse practitioner. Her professional experience includes internal family medicine and general psychiatry from ages five to 65 years old. This founder and CEO of Ashley Tough Talks brand is passionate about physical and mental health wellness. Her goals include political mental health advocacy, social education, and improving the healthcare system by lessening the stigma of mental health, as well as improving access to healthcare for all. Married since 2017 with a doggy baby named Kari at (laughs) 31 years young and a special guest on Couches Here podcast. Ashley Weathersby. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? <laughs> Thank
1: you so much for having me. I'm pretty excited about this, so super okay. excited.
0: You were my first interview this year, so this is really exciting.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's hope I'm worth it. Let's you make sure that I'm worth, worth interviewing since I'm the first oh. this year.
0: You're gonna be everything, okay? Mm-hmm. So tell, take us to the beginning of your life. What was your childhood like? What were you like as a kid?
1: Um, very inquisitive I, my go-to was why why, why 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 and I think yeah, and I used to worry my mother she would tell me something and I always follow up with a well why well why why but I tell people that inquisitive nature has really served me very well um, professionally mm-hmm. and academically. you know I always wanted to search for a better solution, search for the next oh. best thing and to ask the questions to get to the root of the problem. And I mean, I, I learn better asking why Mm -hmm. because I'm a concept type of person. So Mm -hmm. if you put something in front of me and I don't understand the concept to it, it, you know, it's more difficult for me to actually understand it, but you can put any type of new idea or, or new thing in front of me. And if I understand the concept, how it works, why it works, what all the parts mean working together, then I can teach myself anything. So I really think the 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 why has really served me well for the most part, even, I mean, even as a 31 year old, it served me fairly well.
0: Yeah, um, I love that. Could you tell us like a little bit more, like what is something, because you, it has benefited you as an adult, can you recall a certain situation of that asking why that you still kind of hold on? Because I think about like something that I did as a kid was often I draw and now I'm an artist. So I'm like, wait a minute. That actually helped me by, you know, doing that. What is one of those why moments that you still think about and you still use today as an adult? Yeah,
1: I would say I've had several why moments, especially um, within the field of medicine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, certainly as far as nursing school and my master's, nobody goes into nursing school, you Oh, I don't want to say nobody, but most people don't, don't go into nursing school knowing how to be a nurse or having any healthcare experience or knowing how to solve the problem or how to get to the solution or what it to get for the most part. So me personally, when I first attained my bachelor's, learning the concepts of, for example, I'll give you it's a typical medication, right? So let's mm-hmm. say somebody has a lot of inflammation. I'm not going to get into the whole medical jargon but let's say they have a lot of inflammation in the system and then you give a steroid to help inflammation. So Mm -hmm. the way the steroid works, I understood the why it works because I understood how the steroid works. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's pretty much anything in medicine when it comes to giving medications, Um, even psychiatry, for sure you have so many different medications given to a different mental illness. And if you understand Mm -hmm. why uh, I think, yeah, this is, this, is a good, this is a good example. So a lot of people with depression, most people with depression have low serotonin levels. And serotonin is basically your sleep, weight, sex, appetite. That's that hormone that controls all the good stuff. That's why I tell my patients. And yes. um, people who have depression tend to have low serotonin levels. So if that's true, then what type of medication would you give to people with depression? It would be something that increases serotonin levels. And what it, you see what I'm saying? It's just like the basic, really fundamental understanding of how things work. And it allows yes. me to
0: practice pretty successfully um, as far as patient care is concerned. What led you to go to college to begin with? And then how did you decide, okay, it's nursing that I'm going to study?
1: Uh, so actually, nursing was a fluke, honestly. Ooh, <laughs> so, really? Yeah. So So there's a program that started in my undergrad which was you completed two years of undergrad there and then you were guaranteed a spot in the nursing program. And wow. so, yeah. And so as a 18, 19 year old, I had to decide then that I wanted to pursue nursing. I really wanted to go to medical school and I wanted to do plastic surgery. That's what I wanted to do. And so my mom and my aunt were asking me, what are you planning on doing with your life? Of course, I wanted to move to Hollywood. I wanted to be on TV, the actress. Yeah, I wanted to do all of that. And so yeah. my mom gave me the wake up call. She said, California is really expensive. So how do you plan on supporting yourself? She's like, cause I'm not supporting you in California. So she said, you should go to nursing school. And um, I was, you know, I thought, well, you know, it's not as hard as medical school and nursing school is going to be super easy. You know, and that tells you how much I knew about healthcare. Like I had no, no clue that nursing, no, nursing school is not easy. And right. I decided um, in 2008, well, actually I decided in 2006, that I was going to do the early entry program um, at my nursing school. And then you had to maintain a 3.5 throughout your entire undergrad, which would have been two years for me to be able to transfer into to UNC. And then that's how I ended up there. So, yeah. So the program at the time was a very new program. I and one other uh, female were the first two kind of pilot students that would have gone into the program. She ended up deciding, uh, at the last minute that she was going to leave me hanging. <laughs> so so every semester I would go back and forth to the nursing school from my undergrad, trying to make sure that my um, curriculum and my um degree plan matched up to what I had to have to get into the nursing program. Cause nobody had, had done it before. Nobody had an example. So it's just, you know, I just had to go, there every semester and say hey this is what I'm taking is is this the right track I had my last semester and um, I was able to transfer successfully into the program and then I do two years that or a total of four years and receive my bachelor's in nursing
0: overall when you look back on how long it took you from the beginning of it, if you were like, "Oh yeah, this is gonna be easy," to the middle, you like, "I don't know if I'm gonna make it," yeah. <laughs> and then <in> the end.
1: <laughs> well, I had the most trouble, and I experienced some um, issues at Baylor. A lot of different issues, discrimination, and that was probably mm-hmm. the hardest for me, uh, being an African female and experiencing that. And I was away from home, and um, did mm-hmm. not, you know, have anybody and. Um, I was in 2010 finishing nursing school I was also diagnosed with bipolar disorder and so being away from home mm-hmm. and going to a school that you know they don't want you there and in a new state had never lived outside of Mississippi ever in my entire life it was a it what? there were a lot of things that were compounding that time in my life and I end up having to move back home and so um, and then I you know transferring I had for, I had completed three years at Baylor unsuccessfully then transferred, completed another five years um, I'm sorry, another two years at UMC, then I finished it and had to do another two years and so because of that experience at Baylor, I kind of got off track. Um, it's normally an eight year, uh, a eight year track to become dual certified if everything goes according to plan, but um it took me 11 years, and so there were several, several times, several times that I wanted to quit. <laughs> Say, like, if you're in anything in medicine, you're going to feel like it's it's the worst thing in the world. There are several times I wanted to quit, but what kept me going is um, the teacher who, mm-hmm. at Baylor, who stuck his finger in my face and told me, hey, you'll never be a nurse practitioner. I, uh, <gasps> yeah. So that keeps me going. Nothing keeps me, bo- I, you know, a lot of people say, you know, what drives you? A hater. A hater drives me all day, everything. Wow. I love haters. Yeah. Haters, haters, haters. If you want to prevent me from doing something or prevent me from engaging in something, tell me, oh my God, you'll be great at this. But if you tell mm-hmm. me, absolutely not. You won't be able to do it. You don't need the qualifications. That's, that That keeps me going. That keeps me, that's, that motivates me. Haters <laughs> motivate me, seriously
0: yes Mm -hmm. oh my gosh that is so rude though yeah (laughs) and bold Mm -hmm. to tell somebody something like that Yeah. wow Mm -hmm. what would you say are some similarities or even differences between um being a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner and family medicine nurse Mm -hmm. practitioner
1: so um two completely different fields it's two completely different Mm -hmm. fields a lot of And one of the reasons why I wanted to become certified in both is because when I completed my um, tenure as a family nurse practitioner student, I would (laughs) round with the uh, doctors, the family medicine doctors, or with the uh, hospitalists, and they would tell me, I don't know, I really don't know how to address this issue, call psychiatry. Like, for example, if they have a patient that has delusions or they are manic, they, they have no earthly idea of where to start when when you're dealing with like really chronic or acute mental health issues. The same thing goes for psychiatry. When you're doing psychiatry Mm -hmm. and when I round in the hospital doing psychiatry I would uh, see patients and they would have abnormal lab work and then the uh, supervising psychiatrist would say, hey, call medical. I don't know anything about these labs and so I've always wanted to do a mixture of both which makes me very um yeah it makes me to see things from both perspectives and be able to treat a patient holistically as far as family medicine I mean with family medicine you can practice in any field that you can get hired in it's like a general medical uh degree but when it comes mm-hmm. to psychiatry and family medicine they're like in two completely different fields
0: and could you just share with us like what what is one of your days like what does that look like a day for you as a nurse practitioner
1: well, right now i and I talk about this on my uh website uh because of my issues with mental health. Um, I really pace myself so i don't mm-hmm. i don't I don't work full time anywhere. I'm not the type of eight to five type of employee because for me personally, that's not healthy for me mentally. Um yes. And so what helps me is I do a variety of things on a daily basis, on a weekly basis for sure. And it kind of keeps me engaged and keeps me thinking about the next thing so I won't get really bored with the monotony. And then um Yes. And so so for example, on a weekly it really is kind of easier to say it on a weekly basis. Mondays and Fridays, I do telemedicine outside of Florida. I'm licensed. I'm licensed as a nurse practitioner in four states. And then Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, I'll be working in an outpatient clinic. On the weekends, I'll be alternating between um, a detox facility and uh, just a regular uh, hospital. a uh, Hospital chain here, at Texas with Resources. And so, um, it's it. I work most with different. Uh, jobs with limited hours so I may work four to five hours here two to three or four to five or two to three hours here and it really Mm. helps because I'm not you know focused nine to five every single day that's not right Right. for me personally especially dealing with Mm. bipolar disorder I need to be able to you know manage my schedule Get sleep. If I can't, you know, if I want to take a break, I need to be able to take a break, you know, when it comes to my work schedule. So everybody, everybody has their own thing. Some people are go-getters. They, you know, they're 8 a.m. to 12 a.m., you know, every day. But that doesn't work for me with my mental health issues.
0: How do you manage that time between, okay, now this is work time. Now this is family time. Okay, I hang out with some friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do you do that? Scheduling,
1: scheduling, 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 scheduling. Like I am a very scheduled type of person. Um, yes. I have a planner, which I put all of my personal things, my professional things and things with friends. So I won't make sure that I'm missing any engagements. But I am a I am an iPhone schedule calendar type of person because dealing with, you know, the issues I deal with and you know, trying to keep up as far as from a mental perspective. And then you have like a whole bunch of different working pieces during the week. And so scheduling and pacing myself are it are probably the most helpful tips that I can give somebody who has, you know, a similar issue that I um, that I do and who works, uh, you know, that manages a very busy life. But I'm a yeah. schedule person. Like, I, you can look at my, my calendar, my phone, now see my calendar. I also have a calendar that I actually write stuff down in, but
0: scheduling. Yes, babe. You know, <laughs> yeah, I you know. You have to. Mm-hmm. Well, as a nurse practitioner in both fields, what are some of your most asked questions? So
1: I would say... Oh, it depends on what feels. So with psychiatry, um, questions I get often asked probably, um, where did my mental illness come from? As Mm. a family member or somebody of mental illness, how do I help this person? Um, What does it feel like to have a mental illness? Um, Usually questions about how to manage and diagnosis are probably going to be the biggest things when it comes to um, mental illness, when it comes to psychiatric nursing. Um, with family uh, medicine, I mean, anything that's kind of, any ailment you're going to get questions about. Like right now, family medicine, coronavirus. So mm-hmm. if I are asking about coronavirus and how is it spread and how do you prevent it and how does it work? So with medicine, it's really it was really focused on a lot of different trends. Um, Then you have the dietary trend with the keto diet. So, you know, like I said, Mm. usually with family medicine, you you tend to get the similar questions that everybody asks, you know, that's a new trend or new topic in the medical community. But with psychiatry, not too many people um, know about psychiatry or are educated by psychiatry. And so you tend to get a different variety of questions
0: Mm -hmm. in that
1: area of practice.
0: And if those people don't know the answers and they, they're not talking with someone who would know the answer, how can they go about finding that answer?
1: Um, resources. Um, as far as for me personally, I try to be a very resourceful person. Um, I try to do yeah. a lot of uh, coping skill classes, a lot of self-help educations. I t- try to do a lot of um, brochures and reminders. You really have to ask the right questions. And when it comes to mm. illness, you really don't want to ask any questions. You need to ask the right questions to get to where you want to be. So, for example, when I was first diagnosed, um, nobody had ever told me that, you know, mental illness ran in my family. Nobody had told me that. And then when I started experiencing mental illness, we were kind of like a family of deer in headlights, especially yeah. the African-American family. Um, yes. we, you know, that's not something that's on your radar. Getting into the mental health system and seeing psychiatrists and seeing therapies, and I was hospitalized. I was almost court committed to the state psychiatric hospital. So it's crazy. Um, and yeah. once you maneuver your way throughout the mental health system and you become a you know survivor of mental illness, then I felt like my yeah. calling was to make sure I put my story and my testimony out there to encourage others. And to also get into the field and be the best provider I can be when it comes to, mm-hmm. you know, mental health and physical health. Basically, basically, I'm really passionate about health because I like to give health and care to others how I would want someone to, you know, care for me as far as mental and physical yeah. health or care for my family. So, right. so that's why it's really important for me to make sure I do what I say I'm going to do. I call my patients back. I walk them through this process. I explain to them, you know, my train of thought and that we have a working relationship when it comes to their care, um, which kind of alleviates some of the the distress that they might have when they're suffering from their illness, whether it's family medicine or psychiatry.
0: It's so good to hear that coming from someone who's in the medical field, because I know just from the outside looking in, whenever I go to a hospital or a clinic, I'm just like, I don't know how they do it. But (laughs) when you know, when you feel, even when I'm in like the patient's room and I'm getting, I'm the one getting the treatment and I can kind of feel that the doctor really cares. I just appreciate that. So thank you for that because I know it's a stressful job (laughs) and it can put a lot on you, but to still want to be able to help people at that 110% or even more level is just fantastic. Mm -hmm. I can't thank you enough. I want to talk about, ashley tough talks brand okay you're the founder and ceo how did you come up with the name first <laughs> um
1: tough talk as in t-u-f-f as in the tough conversation about mental health right so that's how i yes. came up with tough talk i didn't want to spell it your traditional t-o-u-g-h because i just didn't feel like it had enough flavor
0: mm-hmm. Right.
1: so i um and ashley tough talks is i wanted to start the conversation about talking about mental health especially from a personal and a clinical perspective. So, Mm -hmm. and that's how I got the first part. Actually, my first name, Tough Talks, the Tough Conversation about mental health, and then Talks is the actual quote-unquote conversation portion of the name.
0: So was it easy or was it hard to turn your passion into this brand?
1: Having the idea and sparking the desire and the want to actually do it was easy but Mm -hmm. the implementation is very difficult Mm. that's the part that's that's hard like it's easy to have an idea yeah i'm gonna talk about mental health (laughs) and then when you actually start branding yourself and meeting people and you know the fear of me putting my illness out there was probably the biggest thing for me every idea is a good idea but the actual drive and motivate motivation, ambition, relentless pursuit is the hardest part. A lot of people give up doing that part. So I, yeah. I just remind myself when it's really difficult to understand or, or really difficult to, to keep going, to remind myself why I'm doing this. Like, why am I putting myself out there? Why am I really engaging and educating and passionate about this topic? And I have people that write to me on my website. They'll say, "Oh my God, thank you, Ashley, for telling your story." You know, I oh, get so no, kind of thoughts, man. or you know, I get so many different messages, and it really keeps me going. Like there have been several times where I've told my husband, "Like I'm not about to do it." Like you know, nobody's listening. <laughs> I mean, you. I mean, everybody goes yeah. through that. But then I'll get something in my inbox, and it remind me, okay, this is why I'm doing it. You know, people are really receptive, right. and they really want to, you know, be taught about mental health.
0: Right. Speaking on that, going like piggybacking off of the why, what do you want people to take or gain from Ashley Tough Talks? Like what will they learn or benefit? Yeah.
1: I want, um, as far as Ashley Tough Talk, I want it to be a public brand that um, sparks uh, political advocacy for mental health. I want to Mm -hmm. really change the stigma associated with mental health. I want to make sure Mm -hmm. that we're bringing, you know, families, patients therapists psychiatrists doctors everybody to the conversation about mental health so a lot mm. of issues with mental health you have the patients who are talking to the psychiatrists or the psych nurse practitioners and they're either not understanding not listening and then the the family mm. is not at the visit and the family is calling you, trying to get explanation so i want to make sure that mental health is a more cohesive experience that everybody is talking about so psychiatrists therapists you know everybody families patients the mental health system federal uh regulations and federal systems i want everybody to sit down and talk about mental health that way we can Mm -hmm. all come to a conclusion of you know what is the best way to make sure that we are promoting mental health awareness and um and recovery on a national scale
0: Right, that is really important uh, one thing i i find like even as i get older is how many people don't know really what mental health is mm-hmm. and i know because i have family members who do have who suffer from uh, mental health illness i'm sorry for mental illness but when i talk to other people about it, i'm like yeah you know this is my family member they have this and they're like what is that I, for some reason, I'm thinking because technology is where it's at and, you know, people are able to communicate and research more, that more people would know what it is, but they don't. Mm-hmm. What is your uh, thoughts on that?
1: I think people, I think a couple of things. One, well, actually, probably the one thing that I understand from both a professional and personal perspective, nobody knows anything mental health until it happens to them, Period. Like, like, yeah, mm-hmm. if it's not in your life, if you don't know anybody, if you're not suffering personally, you're not just going to go and seek out information about mental health. If it doesn't affect you, you're going to not understand it. Because even before I was diagnosed, I had, you know, I used to say something so very immature, so very um, in uh, inconsiderate, such as, oh, those mm-hmm. people are crazy. And why do these people have oh, medications? Yeah. And then it came mm-hmm. to me and I really realized, I backtracked in my life, you know, from my thought process and really realized a lot of people are ignorant because it doesn't happen to them. That's another reason why I build, um, I'm building the Ashley tough talks is because for the people who don't understand, you need to understand that this is a big thing. Like this is a real yeah. thing. So from your right. perspective, you need to learn how to be a little bit more. Uh, respectful to people who have the illness and what can you do from a non-sufferer to
0: help people who suffer you see Mm
1: yeah
0: yeah that is that's really true because I can even say that even younger not really fully understanding what it is it's kind of like when you hear oh your grandparents they can't remember too much anymore Mm -hmm. you know they're suffering from this so you're like okay that comes because they're of old age but then when it's a younger family member you're like okay so what is this so they, they just talking to themselves now you know you mm-hmm. you're not really processing it mm-hmm. so I will say it has to 100 affect your lifestyle in some way for you to want to seek more information right. but yeah that is to me I feel like it's there's so many people who are affected by it but I think it is because most people just don't want to talk about it too it's kind of like oh that's a sensitive it is a sensitive topic and people, it's kind of like telling someone, you know, I'm naked. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. You know? <laughs>
1: well, yeah, yeah, no. I completely agree. And it's a very hard topic to say, hey, I'm thinking about killing myself. Like that's not something yeah. that's gonna, people are like, yeah, let's talk about your killing her. I mean, that's something that will clear a room out like really quickly. And yes. in, for me to say it, as a healthcare professional, like I said, medical and healthcare professional, for me to say it, hey, I've had suicidal thoughts before. I sometimes have passed the thoughts of death. I don't have suicidal thoughts mm-hmm. anymore, um, but I still struggle with, you know, thoughts of death. I still struggle with inability oh. to sleep and mood swings and, you know, yeah. I mean, so a lot of people wish they could say the things that, you know, they wish they could express themselves just as I did when I wanted mm-hmm. to get help. I wanted to express myself and I I said it aloud to people and because they did not understand it, they'll alienate you. And I lost a lot of people yeah. when I was hospitalized. I, I had friends that say, hey, I can't deal with your issues. And I mean, mm-hmm. I, I lost a lot of people in my life because they did not understand something like that. But being on mm-hmm. the end to where I've recovered um, and I say, I when I I don't say recover as in cured, but recovered right um, mm-hmm. from bipolar disorder, and then to obtain you know all of these credentials and certifications and licenses and other societies, I feel like I can be the face of people saying those things aloud because I have a little bit more weight behind what I say just because of you know the titles and all you know stuff that people
0: yes. they, just
1: stuff that people credibility have to have to be taken seriously. So you know.
0: Right, Mm -hmm. they're like, "Oh, that's you're a credible source." Right, (laughs) you know, exactly. Yes. What advice could you give someone who wants to go into this field of mental health or even family medicine? I know for me, it feels like you you double majored. I had did that route and it didn't work out for me. (laughs) (laughs) But someone who wants to do both or even just uh either of the two, how can you? How can they start? What advice can you give them to? Just start. What's very important for them to do in order just to stick it through? Yeah,
1: and I would say, and this is gonna sound super cliche, but to me, mm-hmm. if I can give one, if I can give one answer to pursuing, you know, physical or mental health, one answer, I would say, be passionate and be mm. relentless about it. Because without mm. passion, you're it's, you're not going to want to talk to patients every day. You're not going to want Um, to hear, you know, the negative stories. You're not going to want to see the sickness. You're not going to want to see the deaths. So you have to really, really understand and be passionate about what you want to do and make sure that you are treating your patients how you want to be treated. That's why I'm good at what I do. It's not necessarily that, you know, I have the titles or the degrees or you know clinical experience it's just that i'm going to do what i need to do and i'm going to go that extra effort for my patients because i've mm-hmm. needed that in my life and i know how important this is so if a yes. patient calls me at five o'clock p.m and i get off at five when i used to work you know in office before i did my part-time thing but 5 p.m mm-hmm. if i have time i'm going to stay five fifteen to make that phone call or i might call them from home you know Sometimes you need and this is more so for mental health. Sometimes you really need to know that someone cares. You can be a crappy, crappy, crappy nurse practitioner. However, if you Mm -hmm. tell patients, hey, I care, they will kind of like disregard every other thing that you've done that you have no clue what you're doing. A lot of people just want to know that you care. And if you do care, then you're going to do what you need to do to make sure you're giving the highest level of care. And then that's going to kind of snowball into becoming a better nurse practitioner.
0: Okay, you know, I feel like they can apply to just about every field. You just have to care. And is there a quote that you live by or a book that you've read or, or somebody in your life that just keeps you motivated?
1: Yes. My favorite quote is let me make sure I get it right. Okay. The people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who really do. That's a quote by Steve Jobs. Oh my god, I love that quote so much because oh I like to think that I'm a little bit off my rocker and maybe I can't change <laughs> maybe I can't change the world and so I live by that. Yes. I live by that. Quote oh my Steve goodness.
0: Mhm. I was like, I've heard that someone You said, Steve, I was like, okay, that's right. (laughs) Now I won't forget it. (laughs) Could you say it one more time? It's the people who think they're crazy enough to change
1: the world are the ones who actually, or really do, are the ones who will. I think it's the ones who really do.
0: Oh my goodness. That's such a good quote. And because of this current situation that's going on, and I know it affects the um, medical industry immensely, what are your predictions or thoughts on COVID-19?
1: Honestly, COVID 19 is very, very dangerous in a couple of ways. So, mm-hmm. viruses exist. Influenza type A, yeah. B. I mean, viruses exist. But the fact yeah. that COVID is droplet and very yeah. insidious, it has a very, I think it's long, I can't remember how many days. I don't want to say the wrong information, but it has a uh, long uh, incubation period. So, basically, meaning, mm-hmm you could be infected and spreading the disease and not even have symptoms. And so you spread it to who know, let's say in a month, you've seen like a hundred people, you spread it to a hundred people and then they branch out and spread it to a hundred more and we don't have any cure for it. So I think right. it's very novel in a sense that it's going to be very national and socially changing, like changing for a lot of people. And it affects Mm -hmm. so many different, you know, areas as far as, you know, academically, uh, financially, Mm -hmm. um, mentally. It is very, very dangerous because we don't know how to stop it. And in order to actually completely get rid of it, every single person in this entire world needs to be quarantined in the house. And Mm -hmm. everybody who has the issue, uh, has the uh, COVID needs to be treated and quarantine in the hospital setting and until everybody every single person is made to stay in their homes you're going to continue to it's going to continue to spread because if you're going to walmart or you're going to a grocery store and you have it yes there are not a lot of people there but you can spread it so it's it's very very it's unlike i know people are asking me about tuberculosis because um, it's probably, uh-huh. but it's a bacteria. So we have right. treatments for a bacterium, you know, which is tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. But with a virus that has a mm-hmm. very long incubation period, it spreads so so fast. And I think it's I think as far as social expression, it's going to be very devastating. I mean, just yes, it's, it's very very devastating.
0: It is. I think, um, unfortunately, though, I do feel like sometimes in order for people to take things seriously, it does have to happen to them. Mm-hmm. And I wish that wasn't the case, but it seems like even with, when it started in uh, China, like how it has like, you know, it's always like when it starts somewhere else, everywhere else in the Everyone else in the world is like, okay, as long as it's over there, we're good. Mm-hmm. And instead of like, okay, what's really going on over there? Mm-hmm. Uh, what can we do to prevent it from, you right. know, we don't think like that. It's always, we take actions after, right. you know, it happens.
1: <laughs> I mean, I would have, I mean, there are a lot of conspiracy theories and I'm not going to get into
0: it, but I mean. You know, I'm one of yeah, them. <laughs> right. So, I mean, we
1: can go on and on about it. But what should have happened and any clinician who has gone through any reputable medical, medical, nursing, whatever school, um mm-hmm. when they discovered that COVID was actually on the ship, they should have never mm. stopped the ship. They should have quarantined, yeah. they should have quarantined that entire ship, treated everybody on there, and when it was actually when everybody was, you know, symptom actually not symptom free, but you know, symptoms free and they had no signs of the illness, then they should have let right. the ship dock. They should have never mm. let the ship dock with people who are actually sick. They should have never done that.
0: Oh gosh. Yeah, that that's when the my conspiracy theories and tennis starts <laughs> going off. <laughs> so much stuff like, um, well, okay, I'm gonna get into it just a little bit. So with my conspiracy theory, uh, theory ways, um, when I think of it, I don't think of, Oh, um, this person was born on this day, and then that person born on this day. So this means that not like that. I'm more into the what goes on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Like it's so much, so much stuff just makes too much sense for it's not to be true. Mm-hmm. And it makes me feel like this is more of a population thing. Like right. we need to get rid of as many people on Earth right. as possible. Right. <laughs> That's what I'm I'm leaning towards on this. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how it's gonna go, but like I said, I am. Just going to take the benefits that I do have and just stay safe and be very aware. And if I do have to go out, I'm going to wear my mask and I'm going to wear my gloves.
1: (laughs) I completely agree. I just another reason why I think, you know, possibly uh, conspiracy is that I am not the only nurse practitioner or a medical professional who understands you should have not quarantined and not doctor ship. Like, come on now. Like you have yes. the CDC, the NIH, you have the World Health Organization. <laughs> you have several very, you know, mm-hmm. high level people in a position of, mm-hmm. you know, infectious disease. They um, they came to this, seriously, would have come to the same conclusion is not Dr. Ship until everybody was calling yes. So it just mm-hmm. really is a little disheartening to you know, really think about how this was botched from the beginning, when it could have been prevented, yeah. you know, and when the people mm-hmm. who could have prevented it didn't say anything, so then you think that they didn't say anything because they didn't know, which is not true. You're talking about CDC. Right.
0: Yeah, so you're kind of like, hmm, that 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 mm-hmm. conspiracy part to me. Like I said in the beginning, I didn't know much. I didn't take it seriously because of what the information that was being given. It wasn't even accurate half the time. Mm-hmm. And so, That makes people not take things seriously. If they would have came more with a force like, hey, this is something we all need to pay attention to. These are the facts. Then maybe more people today uh, would not have be wouldn't be affected and would be taking it seriously. That's just my thoughts on it. But the world ain't perfect. So (laughs) is there anything new that you're working on or would you like to address? Um.
1: Other than my brand, I would say I am big on personal development. Very, very mm-hmm. big on personal development. And so I'm really trying to incorporate um, uh, meditation and journaling in my life. Mm-hmm. I want to be very consistent with that. Um, yes. I do... Because I, I write and I do YouTube videos based on Ashley Talks, which is helpful. But I used to every day um, and I had my husband. He started doing this. I made him start doing it too. We used to write down at least three goals that we want to accomplish the next day. And it doesn't have to necessarily be like save the world. It will be like I want to, <laughs> you know, I want to get yeah. five minutes early tomorrow, or I want to finish this mm. book or whatever. So I really want to start working on and focusing on personal development because if I'm going to go through this journey with expressing myself and telling the world I have a mental illness. I need to, you know, be, you know, ready for the, the, the result of that. You know, not everybody's yeah. going to be like, Oh my God, this is great. She said, and no, there are going to be some people who are going to be not so happy that, you know, I'm an expectation. Like mm-hmm. So um preparing myself for the future and um, self-management and self-help are things that I really, really are goals and things I want to work on.
0: I appreciate you so much for this interview. I've learned a whole lot, like I always do, from just hearing people's story. And I think that's what really inspires me, just hearing somebody who I feel like, one, I can already relate to but then when I'm getting like a piece of your world that you're telling me about I'm like wow never knew that mm-hmm. oh that's something I can add you know yeah. <laughs> to look up more information on so I appreciate that yeah now that was the serious part of the interview and I always like to end it off with some fun random questions okay. just like the highlight of it so whatever is the first thing that comes to your mind is just how you could just answer it so you don't have to be all serious you could just the first thing that comes to your mind you. so you ready yes let's go what's the most recent thing you laughed about oh <laughs> 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 um
1: i have an inappropriate sense of humor but the uh memes <laughs> the memes about uh oh god i can say this the memes about getting rid of the people uh with covid on instagram are are very hilarious uh-huh. So the me oh, uh, means about COVID COVID 19, those are the things
0: I left at most recently. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I need to look at that. <laughs> what is your favorite food?
1: Um favorite food. Does it
0: any favorite food? Any favorite food? It can even be a meal, a snack. <laughs> um, oh, if I had to uh, favorite
1: food, pretzels? I don't know, that's random. Pretzels?
0: Oh, I can see now are you talking about like the, the thick soft pretzels or the like the ones that come in the bag like a chip bag mm-hmm. the hard the hard ones. ones the
1: ones that come in a chip bag I'm addicted to no okay pretzels and then sour patch kids those are my I have to do wow. at least a few times a week for sure
0: what is the first CD that you ever bought ever bought
1: the first CD mm-hmm. probably it's gonna be B2K back when I was, uh, I was in middle school
0: well wow, that's memories right there yeah it's really memories <laughs> i can't believe i just admitted down, uh no <laughs> okay. what is a word or a phrase that you use often
1: probably it's gonna be let's see Ooh, we're just gonna sound really bad okay <laughs> all right so i used to tell my husband because you know i'm really i I'm, I'm big on like haters telling me I always say if you come for me, you better come hard with guns blazing and don't let me recover. That's sounds- um, <laughs> I like that. But you let me recover, it's 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 payback. So I always tell if you come for me, you better come for me with guns blazing and don't let me recover.
0: Well, I love that. <laughs> yeah. If you could learn anything, what would it be? Um, if I could learn anything.
1: What would it be if I could learn anything? Public speaking.
0: Oh, if I, really? You feel like, so I would just automatically think you would have no troubles and you would just be like, yep, I'm on this stage to tell y'all everything."
1: <laughs> no, I'm a very, like, I don't like speaking in front of people. Like this is this right here. But speaking in front of people, I would love to learn how to uh, public speak. That probably would be Yay. my biggest thing.
0: I feel like you you got it. I feel like the we don't really know all the things we're talented at. We just have to tackle them a little bit at a time, mm-hmm. and then it'll, it'll just it'll just grow with it. I think you'll do great. I can really see you doing it. Yeah. And what is something? And I hope I pronounced your dog's name right, Kari, right? Uh huh. What is something that he does? Uh, Kari.
1: Kari likes to um
0: pretty much eat
1: and sleep. That's it. That's his go to. Uh-huh. He loves table food, he loves chicken bone, he just loves to eat and sleep and he stretches. He's just like, he just chills. He's like a he really chills, but eating and sleeping are his top two. Um he may bark if somebody comes to the front door, he, you know, he'll mm-hmm. kind of sound off, but he's not a fighter. He loves to eat and sleep.
0: Wow. That is like the sweetest dog I've ever heard. See, my mama got a chihu- chihuahua and he evil. <laughs> yeah, chihuahua. I'm not a fan of chihuahuas. They, they're on a the hook. I don't
1: know what they just, I have no idea.
0: I don't get it. So me hearing about other people's beautiful, nice dogs just makes me happy.
1: <laughs> yeah, not a fan of And if
0: you could be. I'm sorry, what'd you say, love? Uh,
1: yeah, I'm not a fan of chihuahuas at all, whatsoever.
0: No, I can't. I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. and if you could be any character from any tv show cartoon movie or book what character would you be and why i would be mystique um
1: from x-men because i think she has a pretty cool power i'm i'm big into comics so i, I mean i've already thought this out <laughs> like like that's why so <laughs> like, already. but mystique because i mean the fact is you can camouflage yourself as anybody in the tower i think that's pretty i mean i think yeah that's, awesome. that's nice yeah so it would be mystique for sure cute.
0: Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, how can people reach you? Give us all your information website, social media, or email. Okay. So,
1: my website is Ashley Tell Talk, So, it's com. Um, on IGN Twitter, I'm at Ashley Tough Talks, same thing, A-S-H-L-E-Y-T-U-L-L-T-A-T-A-L-K-S.
0: Oh my goodness, thank you so much. Yeah. I really enjoyed you. This was amazing. <laughs> thank
1: you so much for having me. This is very, this is like, I had a really good time. I'm hoping that I have, you know, sparked a lot of people. I hope that I yes. encourage a lot of people and... Hopefully, you know this thing will be a national thing, and then a world. Thing yes. We can, you know, mm-hmm.
0: start talking about okay. this, uh, mental health. Yes, that would be great. Mm-hmm. I hope that more people know about it and are sensitive, but want to know more about it without feeling like, okay, I don't want to talk about that anymore. You know, <laughs> it's like you tell somebody something, they're like, okay, where's the exit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I hope that it intrigues people a whole lot. Thank you so much for listening to Characters Here Podcast. We would love to be a part of your life. So leave us a review right now. And remember, don't be a stranger. be Be a character.